Welcome to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church in Harvest, Alabama. We invite you into our sanctuary as we dive into God's Word with our pastor, Dr. Al Peringer. So on Wednesday nights, you know, I'm doing a different thing on different Wednesday nights of the month, different topics because I, I, I want to try and broaden our discipleship because that's what our church is all about, growing and living for Christ together. I mean, we, we want to be discipled. We want to learn about Christ, and then we want to live for Christ in light of what uh, we learn. And so the first Wednesday of the month, um, I continued doing what I kind of started last year and talking about Christian doctrines um, as they're summarized in some of the confessions and uh, based on, obviously, a summary of, of Scripture. Um, and, and so uh, I, I want to talk tonight a little bit more about Christ. I mean, that's what I should want to talk about all the time, but specifically his role as the mediator between God and humanity, the go-between. Um, I've before stressed the necessity for Christ to be both God and man. I mean, if, God, if Christ is going to represent God to man, he has to be God. If Christ is going to represent man to God, he has to be man. So he needs to have both those natures, and that's what Scripture teaches. That's what we believe. Um, we also notice that he, in his humanity, was filled with the Holy Spirit and therefore equipped to uh, do the work that was before him, uh, fulfilling the law, going to the cross, and being raised in power. Well, tonight I want to talk about, I don't know if you want to call it the reach of uh, Christ's work. Uh, maybe you could say it's the application of Christ's work. You know, maybe answer a bit of the question, to whom is Christ's work extended? Because, I mean, we know that all who believe in Christ are saved. Um, but have you ever asked the question, have you ever thought about, okay, what about the Old Testament people? What about those who were born before Jesus accomplished his work? What happened to them? Well, um, the Second Baptist Confession, London Baptist Confession, gives us a summary of what we believe uh, as the whole counsel of God brings it to us, reveals it to us. And this is what it says. It says, the price of redemption was not actually paid by Christ till after his incarnation, yet the virtue efficacy, which is, is a fancy word for effectiveness, and benefit of it was imparted to the elect in every age since the beginning of the world in and by those promises, types, and sacrifices that revealed him and pointed to him as the seed that would bruise the serpent's head and the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And he is the same yesterday and today and forever. So, you know, the paragraph starts uh, reminding us that, I mean, Christ did come at a certain point in history. It was a historical event, Christ becoming man. It, it happened in, in history. Jesus Christ, the God-man, he took on humanity, he fulfilled the will and plans of the Father for the redemption of humanity within history. This is not a myth, this is not just a fairy tale, this is something that actually happened uh, in history. And so you think about it, the God who created space and time, yet he himself is beyond space and time, became a human within space and time, so that he could accomplish the plan of redemption that had already been determined before there was space and time. You follow all that? That's just that's a, how amazing our God is. 
he works, even though he's beyond space and time, he works within space and time to save humanity. So there was human history that occurred before Christ's coming. There's human history that occurred after Christ's coming. But the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ was determined before there was even history. It was determined by God in eternity past. So now the paragraph says that the virtue, efficacy, or efficiency, or effectiveness, and benefit of what Christ accomplished in his incarnation, in his death, and life, death, and resurrection, was given to all of God's people throughout time. Whether, so he died, whether it was for those before his incarnation or after his incarnation. So what it is saying is that God's people of all ages, before or after his incarnation, they're all saved in the same way. Everyone is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. There is no other way, but, but wait a minute. Christ hadn't come yet in the Old Testament time. So does that mean the Old Testament people missed out? Does that mean Abraham and David and Isaiah and Jeremiah, they're, they're just out of luck because they were just born at the wrong time? Well, no. God's Old Testament people were saved by grace alone, through faith alone, but they were looking forward to what Christ would accomplish according to the revelation that they had been given. Now, we who are in the New Covenant era, the New Testament era, we look back to what Christ accomplished on the cross. The Old Testament saints looked forward. Now, they didn't have all the information that we did do, but they were still, it's still pointed in the same direction, grace alone through faith alone and what Christ would accomplish either looking forward to what would happen or us looking back to what already has happened. Okay, well, that's all well and good. Is there any scriptural proof of that? Well, first consider Hebrews 4, verse 2. It says, for good news came to us just as it came to them, the Old Testament people. The good news came to us just as it came to them. Now, the verse literally says the gospel came to us just as it came to them. So the gospel was given to the Old Testament people. However, it wasn't in a nice, neat package like we have it. As the paragraph of the confession says, that it was given to the Old Testament folks, it was given to Israel through promises, through types, through the sacrifices that were instituted that looked forward to and pointed toward what Christ would do. And so the prophecies, the word, the sacrificial system, the law, all pointed forward to Christ. And so those in the Old Testament who believed in the revelation that they were given to that point, that pointed toward Christ by grace, through faith, they were saved. Now it's interesting, the rest of Hebrews 4.2 talks about Old Testament saints who did not believe, and therefore they were not saved. And so it's always been by grace, through faith, in Christ, either looking forward or looking backward. And so, in the Old Testament, you had revelation like the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And it started from there, and then through prophecy and types and shadows, it all pointed to what Christ would do. 
So the, the gospel was, in a sense, preached to the Old Testament saints, and they could believe in the gospel, the gospel that they were given. That the gospel was preached in the Old Testament is testified actually in the New Testament. And for example, in a verse like Galatians 3.8, where Paul says, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, in you shall all the nations be blessed. And so he's saying the gospel was preached to Abraham when it was said, in you all the nations shall be blessed through that seed that would come in Jesus Christ as that seed. So, and then you had Old Testament prophets who would prophesy about the grace that was gonna come through Jesus Christ. Peter tells us in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10 and 11, concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. And so the prophets prophesied about this grace that was to come, but they just weren't, didn't have the whole picture yet. They didn't know how that was going to work, but they had faith in God's word. God said there's going to be a Savior. God said there's going to be a Messiah. God said there's going to be this grace. They looked to see what it was all about. We have the full revelation, but if, when they believed in what was revealed to them, by grace, through faith, they were saved. I mean, the prophets weren't given all the, the details, but they were given enough so that they could have faith in God and in what he would accomplish. So those who believed back then, you know, it actually, the Bible says that those who believed in the Old Testament, they were written in, into the book of life. Now that sounds kind of strange because we know it as the Lamb's book of life. They didn't know that. The, but John testifies of this in the book of Revelation. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, it says, all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name, you know, talking about, you know, the, the beast and the things that he sets up, but all who dwell on earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life of the lamb who was slain. So everyone even before the foundation of the world, because God is eternal, their names, whether Old Testament or New Testament, are written in the Lamb's book of life. And the paragraph uh, from the confession, you know, that I read, it directly quotes Hebrews 13, 8 to make a point that Christ and his way of salvation never changes. Salvation never changes. God doesn't change. And it says in Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. I mean, Christ doesn't change. The means of salvation doesn't change by grace through faith in Christ, whether looking forward or looking backwards. And so you have to consider Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. You know, the Christ, uh, we could say the Christ of the Old Testament was not a Christ of works. It wasn't set up that, okay, by your works, you're going to be saved and you're going to be declared righteous before God and, and, and things like that. And then all of a sudden, during the New Testament area, okay, Christ came, he died, he rose again. Oh, now it's by grace. No, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and, and forever. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord by grace will be saved. And that's the, 
whoever calls on the name of the Lord. So the Old Testament saints had their revelation of the gospel. The gospel was preached to them in a sense through the types, through the shadows, through the prophecies, through the sacrificial system, everything that God had established. He pointed from day one at the fall. He pointed humanity to Christ and what he would do. As one author described it, the mediator, Jesus, does not appear unannounced or without preparation. The significance of the kind of death that Christ had to die needed to be systematically established before it took place. And God prepared the Israelites and the world by extension for this in their everyday life and worship as God's chosen people. The principle of sacrifice needed to be established. People need to understand a sacrifice had to have been made. The people had to understand that blood offerings were required. Identification with the substitute was the only way to find acceptance with God. Pictures of the work of the mediator had to be developed in the nation's life and worship. They were to understand the functional and essential roles of the prophets, priests, and kings in order to relate to the mediator who would take all three offices into one person, meaning that Christ is the prophet, the priest, and the king. This is true of all the pictures of the Messiah that are found in the Old Covenant life and worship. There's pictures of atonement. There's pictures of forgiveness. There's pictures of cleansing. There's pictures of washing. There's pictures of, of him being the true temple and, and things like that. Everything in the Old Testament pointed to Christ. So when you read your Old Testament, look and see where, how, or you know, how it pictures Christ. How, what it was pointing toward. And so, you know, everything in, from the sacrificial system on pointed to Christ. And so, we find that standing justified before God has always been by grace through faith. I mean, even consider what is told to Abraham. In Genesis 15, 6, it says, And he believed the Lord, and it was counted to him as righteousness. He had faith in God. He believed in God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Christ had not yet been sacrificed, but he believed in what God had told him about his seed, his descendants, Christ. And so Abraham had faith and believed in what the Lord had promised about his offspring and how the world would be blessed through that seed. And that was the plan of God even before the universe came into being. It's not like God created the world, man fell, and God's like, um, what am I going to do now? I have to think of something. No. According to 1 Peter 1, verses 18 through 20, you know, you were, you were knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things like silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for, you, for your sake. And so the plan was foreknown, was already in place. And then the next two paragraphs in the confession they further clarify the work and reach of the redemptive work of the mediator. It says, in Christ's work of mediation, Christ acts according to both natures, by each nature doing what is appropriate to itself, his divine nature and his human nature. 
Even so, because of the unity of the person, that which is appropriate to one nature is sometimes in Scripture attributed to the, to the person under the designation of the other nature. Christ has, is, has one it is one person, he has the two natures. He is both God and man. And then the confession says to all those for whom Christ has obtained eternal redemption, he certainly and effectually applies and imparts it. He intercedes for them, unites them to himself by his spirit, reveals to, to them in and by his word the mystery of salvation. He persuades them to believe and obey and governs their hearts by his word and spirit. He overcomes all their enemies by his almighty power and wisdom using methods and ways that are perfectly consistent with his wonderful and unsearchable governance. All these things are by free and absolute grace, apart from any condition for obtaining it that is foreseen in them. So, you know, they make sure, the con th those who are writing the confession want to make sure that, because they were running into some heresies at the time, they, 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 they didn't want the the divine nature of Christ and the human nature of Christ pitted against one another. Both of them were at work in the redeeming work of Christ. As one author put it, the human and divine nature of Christ act concurrently in the one person of Christ in ways that are proper to each uh, nature. And then it goes on to describe how this work is applied. First, Christ's death was an intercession on behalf of sinners. And then Christ eternally makes intercession for us. You know, for those who belong to Christ, Jesus is in heaven. Now, I don't know exactly how this works, but the Bible attests that he is interceding for us. He's praying for us. He is, he is mediating between God and, and us. He, he's our advocate before God. He's like our defense lawyer, you could say, before God. And, and because of his sacrifice, the, Lord, the, the Father accepts that sacrifice and thereby accepts us. You know, it says in Romans 8:34, I mean, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. If Christ is interceding for us for all of eternity, who's going to condemn us? How can we? We can't condemn ourselves. The devil's going to try and condemn us, but we just got to throw it back in the devil's face. Look, you can't condemn me because Christ is interceding for me. There's nothing you can do. I belong to him. Next, it, the paragraph says that Christ unites us to himself by giving us his spirit in 1 Corinthians 15, 45. It says, thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being, but the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. The last Adam is Christ. Paul often uses that, that analogy, the old Adam and the old nature that we had, and then the new Adam, who is Christ, and the new nature we have, and the fact that Christ gives us the Spirit. Next, Christ reveals to us the mystery of salvation, showing us what God had planned all along. You know, it's called a, um, um, it's called a mystery. Whenever you see the word mystery in Scripture, don't think Sherlock Holmes or Agatha Christie or something like that, like, wow, we gotta, we gotta figure this out, we gotta look for the clues. It's saying that that which had been previously hidden has now been revealed in Christ. There is no more mystery per se as far as the gospel is concerned. Christ has been revealed. Um, and so, but he, through Christ, it is revealed to us the wonderful mysteries of salvation. In 1 John chapter 5, it says, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we know him who is true and we are in him who is true 
in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. So we can have understanding. We can have, we can know that which is true. We don't have to search for clues. It's right here in scripture. It's been revealed to us. Then it says that Christ persuades us to believe and obey. Christ leads us to his word. He gives us the desire to obey. He empowers us to obey as, as Paul said in Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Then it says that he governs our hearts by his word and spirit. The spirit that unites us to Christ fosters that obedience within us. It says in Romans 8.14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We're led by the Spirit of God. If you're, if you're a son or daughter of God, through Jesus Christ, you have the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to lead you. Then it says that he overcomes all our enemies by his almighty power and wisdom. We don't need to fear any enemy because he's defeated every enemy. Every single enemy there is, Christ has defeated. And we, it says in, in 1 Corinthians 15 that he, he defeated the ultimate enemy. It says he must reign until he's put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Christ has defeated death. Death for the Christian. I mean, you know, we, we still have that fear, obviously, but we also have that hope that gets us beyond the fear. Because Christ has defeated death. Death does not have the final say in, our, in our, our lives. I mean, that's just moving to, to, the, to the new phase of our life, being in, the, in eternity with Jesus. And so th this is our mediator. This is our savior. This is what Christ has provided for us. This is the wonderful works that Christ has done for all of us who believe. And, 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 you know, my prayer is whenever we learn about Christ, whenever we learn more about Christ, that it fosters greater trust in every area of our life. Let's face it, we, there's certain areas of our life that we kind of hold close to the, the vest, so to speak, you know, close to our chest. You know, we don't, we, we don't want give, to give it up. We're afraid. What, what's the Lord going to do with that part of my life? But you know what, the more we, we, we learn about Christ, the more we trust him with everything, even the things that we're holding on to so tightly. It's yours. My family, it's yours. My job, it's yours. My finances, it's yours. My fears are yours. My anxieties are yours. Everything is yours, and we learn to trust him with, with, with it because he loves us. And he wants us to be whole. He wants to, to have the abundant life, not the health and wealth kind of abundant life, but the spiritual abundant life, joy and peace and hope, and, and bear the spiritual fruits. But we need, we need to trust him. If we're holding things back from him, we're not trusting him. And so we need to get, give that to him. So, you know, my prayer is the more you learn about Christ, the more you trust him. I mean, this is the Savior who died for you. This is the Savior who rose for you. This is the Savior who's in heaven interceding for you by name in front of the Father right now. I mean, he is interceding on your behalf. He is our advocate. And he will never let us go. Now, for those who have not yet believed in Jesus Christ, Here's the problem. You don't have a mediator between you and the Father, meaning that because you broke the law, you broke the Father's law, you went against his standards, his justice, 
is against you right now. And you have no plea. You, have, you don't have an advocate. You don't have a defense attorney in front of God pleading your case. And so it's you and the Father and the Father's wrath against your sin. That's why you need Jesus. Jesus died for you. He rose again so he could be your advocate, so he could be your mediator. Trust and believe in him before it's too late. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Harvest Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at harvest-baptist.org or find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. You can also find info on our children's ministry on Facebook at Harvest Baptist Children's Ministry or on Instagram at kidsquest underscore HBC. Our student ministry is on Facebook at HBC Vertical Student Ministry and on Instagram at VSM underscore HBC. We welcome you to join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We are located at 8999 Waltrana Highway in Harvest, Alabama. Thanks for listening, and God bless.